Season three of Black Belt Voices is brought to you by Southern Bancor. Southern Bancor is one of America's oldest and largest community development financial institutions. Founded to provide underserved communities with access to capital and the wealth building tools needed to grow. On the web at banksouthern.com and southernpartners.org. listening to the Black Blood Voices podcast, where we tell stories from and about Black folks down South. These stories honor our history. You know, they didn't have any problem enslaving children their age. So why would you have any problem teaching children that slavery existed and what slavery was really like? Celebrate our culture. Black Southerners are just like none other. I mean, we are just seasoned to perfection, honey. And shape our future. Voting is a form of currency. You have to use it. We are back with a new series here on Black Belt Voices that we're calling The Cost of Racism. I'm Adina White. And I'm Kara Wilkins. Yes, for those who have been listening, we've been talking about preserving our history. We talked to the filmmakers producing the PBS Frontline documentary, American Reckoning. We covered a couple of museums, one with prestigious recognition and one still in the grassroots phase and genealogy, of course. So over the next few episodes, we're getting into the cost of racism. And when we say the cost of racism, we're talking about the literal cost here. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. We're diving into economic equity and building wealth for Black communities. And we're starting with our season three sponsor. I'm Darren Williams. I'm CEO of Southern uh, Bank Corp. I sat down with Darren recently and had a great conversation with him about how he came to lead this community development financial institution otherwise known as CDFI. Yeah. And before I started doing some of the consulting work I do when I'm not on the podcast, I had no idea what a CDFI was. So uh, knowing Darren and uh, knowing him previously, prior to him becoming the CEO, uh, it, it helped me to understand banking a little bit more. And so Darren is a graduate of the Little Rock Central High School. As you know, I am also a graduate of the Little Rock Central High School. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. And he also happened to graduate from um, the same college that I did, which is Hendricks College in Conway. Hmm. Darren later got a law degree from Vanderbilt and a master's in law from Georgetown University. So he is quite the accomplished gentleman. Darren is married to Nicole, who is also a Vanderbilt Law graduate, and they have two children who recently graduated from college, his son from Wake Forest University in Salem, North Carolina, and his daughter from Spelman College in Atlanta. What an awesome family. I mean, they've got it going on. Um, And as as you mentioned, Darren- the Huxtables, sorry. They are. They are. (laughs) They are. And remember, we, we say the Huxtables, we're talking about the fictional oh, family. Yes, not, the, not Bill Cosby. Not Bill Cosby. <laughs> Please okay. don't get in our mentions. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> but um, Darren practiced law for a while. Much of his career, he sued publicly traded companies in class action litigation. 
based here in Little Rock, but most of my practice was across the country, uh, probably mostly in the Southern District of New York and federal courts there suing publicly traded companies and uh, cons- and, and, and corporations for uh, consumer violations, including banks. So I've gone from suing banks to now running a bank. Darren was also recently mentioned in a Bloomberg article that described him as one of finance's few Black CEOs. And he told me that his entrance into banking was unexpected. So like he just mentioned that he was suing banks for violating securities laws. But what drew him to Southern Bank Corps is his desire to help people understand finances. So let's hear him tell it. I was approached by the, the chairman of uh, Southern Bank Corp, uh, Walter Smiley, uh, and the chairman of Southern Bank Corp Bank, Sherman Tate, and asked to um, uh, become CEO of Southern Bank Corp. I initially turned them down. I didn't know much at all about Southern Bank Corp. We don't have a full service bank branch here in Little Rock. Uh, but I knew about one of the affiliate companies of Southern uh, company called Southern Good Faith Fund, now called Southern Bank Corp Community Partners, which is the nonprofit affiliate of Southern Bank Corp. And as a former legislator, I work with Southern uh, Bank Corp Community Partners, Southern Good Faith Fund to focus on legislation that would impact low wealth people uh, in my district, District 36, kind of uh, central and south uh, uh, Pulaski County. And so I, I, I thought very highly of the organization from its nonprofit, but did not know much about its bank. But just a little bit about Southern, when really what attracted me to the organization is that Southern is, again, what's called a community development financial institution or CDFI, which you may hear. Um, and as a CDFI, 60% of our activity must take place in low and moderate income census tracts. We were founded in the mid-1980s by then-Governor Bill Clinton when he was governor of the state of Arkansas. He was trying to find a way to stimulate economic activity in the Delta region of our state. Of course, Arkansas's Delta region one time, one of its most uh, profitable um, economic regions when cotton was king uh, and when uh, labor was free uh, because of slavery, um, uh, the Delta flourished. uh, And as um, slavery ended, and as the farm mechanized and people moved who could move away from the Delta, obviously the Delta became it and continues to be one of the most persistently poor communities of the United States. And so he's trying to find ways to create opportunities and really advance racial equity uh, in the Delta. And so uh, Governor Clinton and a number of his allies and colleagues came across a bank called South Shore Bank, which operated on the south side of Chicago, uh, an economically depressed uh, largely African-American community uh, that had been redlined. Um, banks were not investing. Uh, people were <clears throat> not pouring into that community. And several founders of Southern uh, Southern, uh, Southern founders of, of Shore Bank got together, created a bank that intentionally invested in the South Side of Chicago, intentionally uh, helped to sh- people to buy homes, to start businesses, and that community flourished. And after witnessing the the good that that bank had done, uh, Bill Clinton reached out to the Walton Family Foundation. Rob Walton is one of our founding board members. Reached out to them, the Rent the Rent of Rockefeller Foundation uh, here in Arkansas, and, and a number of other folks came together and, and uh, raised about ten million dollars to start Southern Development Bank Corporation, modeled after Shore Bank, with the intention of really trying to create economic opportunity in this underserved community. Today, we have grown from that initial ten million dollar investment to one point nine billion in assets. Fifty two locations across Arkansas and Mississippi. And um, it is truly the the mission for which we work that uh, attracted me to Southern. Um, I I spent um, some of my volunteer time um, 
teaching and facilitating a, a financial principles class at church, my wife and I did. And I was just struck by how little people knew, particularly my people knew about uh, finances. And, and in fact, several folks uh, would uh, would comment to me after this 13 week course, how fulfilling it was. And then years later, how they had moved from poverty to prosperity, from uh, renter to home ownership. And at some point in time, I told my wife, man, if I could do what I wanted to do, I wouldn't practice law. I would help people understand how to use money. And um, when this position was offered to me, I, I really I turned it down because I was pretty happy practicing law. And my wife, like a lot of my good decisions I've made, came from her. She said, uh, Darren, this may, you know, you told me that if you could do what you wanted to do, you would you would help people understand finance and use money better, particularly people of color. And um, she said, maybe this is God's way of giving you what you asked for. And I said, well, I hadn't even thought about that and hadn't thought about it that way. So I reconsidered. Uh, the offer and reach back out to the um, leaders of Southern Bank Corp. And I took the job in 2013 and have not looked back since. It's been a great journey and really appreciate the opportunity. So we here at Black Belt Media appreciate the work that Southern does. And it's one of the reasons that we chose to partner with them on season three. You've heard, you heard their uh, spot at the beginning of our episode. They're value-based missions. Like that's what attracted us to them. Yeah, exactly. I think it's important for people to understand that banking is not equitable across the board sometimes and that people have issues with getting access to banking or being able to understand their banking institution. And I think that Southern goes above and beyond to make sure that people understand banking, they feel comfortable with their banking, and then it also helps to obviously promote economic mobility by making sure that customers in rural communities or probably underserved customers are able to connect to the financial products that they need. So Darren also mentioned redlining, which is something that is also a huge issue across the country, particularly when we're talking about housing and how that contributes to systemic racism. It it is amazing um, the progress that we as black and brown people have made in this country, given all the obstacles that have intentionally been put in our place. Ooh, that's a word. You know what, Kara? My Angelo's Still I Rise comes to mind. Yeah. Out of the huts of history, shame. I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain. I rise. How far do you want to go back? Do you want to start with slavery, uh, where, you know, where, where we were forced to work uh, without uh, compensation? You know, no matter what business you're in, most every business's largest expense is employees. Right. Uh, So if you can create a business that you don't have to pay for labor, you're going to be successful by definition. Right. And so we were forced to uh, pick cotton and do a number of other things to build this country without any compensation. Um, And so we don't have the. Um, uh, we, we, we were stripped of the financial resources rightly due to us uh, when we were uh, emancipated, so to speak, in 1865. Um, one of the things that uh, Abraham Lincoln did is created um, the Freedmen's Savings Bank, uh, which was a bank um, that many recently freed uh, black folks and, and, and union, union black members of the Union Army um, put their money into uh, with the uh, perceived backing of the United States government, um, the white uh, leaders of that bank uh, engaged in um, fraud and deceptive lending and, and trade practices and uh, just unsafe uh, speculative lending. And um, that bank failed uh, in 1874, I believe. Uh, and some people credit 
you know, that failure uh, and loss of black wealth as one of the reasons we don't trust banks. Right. So if you if you equate what they saved out of slavery in today's dollars, that was about a thirty seven million dollar failure. of, And these are these are black folks who just got out of slavery. So they didn't have a lot of money. Right. Uh, and so that's credited with us, you know, not uh, trusting banks to, you know, you can fast forward to uh, whether it's the great Western migration. Right. Uh, where where white folks were given 270 million plus acres of land, and we know land ownership is a foundation of building wealth. We were denied access to that land. You can look at the uh, GI Bill, where um, um, uh, white soldiers were given you know uh, scholarships for free education. Most blacks were denied that. You can look at how uh, our communities have been redlined uh, through intentional government action, where banks have chosen not to lend in our in our communities. And so, if you choose not to invest in our community, uh, obviously, it's not going to thrive economically uh, and it's going and, and, and a lack of economic opportunity creates a number of other social ills and so um, uh, as as people of color we have systemically and historically and intentionally been denied access to the wealth building um, opportunities of the American dream uh, and it's a, it's amazing that we've come so far and done so much with so little uh, and really proud that as a as a bank, uh, we were founded to help try to advance racial equity and our work as Southern really focused on those wealth building strategies of homeownership, of entrepreneurship, which is job creation, retention and on empowering people to save and accumulate assets. Because it's that net worth building that really moves people from poverty to prosperity. Uh, Pew has a study that says 70 percent of the people who are born into poverty never make it out. It becomes intergenerational. So if your grandmother was poor, your mother's poor, 70 percent chance that you're going to be poor also. Pew also looked at 30% of people who actually escaped poverty. And what was unique about them and common to them is that they all had some form of network. So that might have been home ownership, and, you, and that family took the equity out of that home to send a kid to college that broke the cycle of poverty, or to start a small business that broke the cycle of poverty. And so um, as, as a bank, um, we focus on those network building strategies that, that help lift people from poverty to financial stability. And, and I'm really proud of the work that we do at Southern and really just um, um, you know, trying to combat all the ills been, that have been preyed upon uh, black and brown people um, and denied us access to, to, to equitable treatment uh, and a fair banking system. Southern Bancor has a plan when it comes to bridging the racial wealth gap, which, as we know, has only been exacerbated due to the pandemic and has exposed deepened inequality in our communities. That's right. Darren told us the future of our economy depends on more equitable solutions for everyone. And he pointed out that throughout history, when there's so much wealth in the hands of so few people, those societies have failed. As a bank, we really try to focus, again, on those wealth building strategies, those things that will help people gain access to financial stability. Um, you've probably heard the stats that, um, you know, less, more than 40 percent of Americans can't put their hand on $400 in case of an emergency without selling something. Uh, that's 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 a shame in a country as rich as the United States. And it it, it stems from a, a number of things. So we really focus not only on wealth building strategies for the customers that we that we serve. We teach homeownership. We teach credit counseling. We do repair, restore, and rebuild uh, people's credit. Um, when you want to become a homeowner, we work. We walk side by side with you. Sometimes we tell you not. We tell you not yet. We try not to say no. But if you work with us, we'll get you there. So we have this uh, high-touch financial development nonprofit, Southern Bank of Community Partners, that works with Southern Bank of Inc., our holding company, and Southern Bank of Bank, our bank, on the regulated for-profit side of the office. And collectively, those three entities work together, really, to build communities and change lives. And that's 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 that is our focus. 
uh, of the work that we do. So it's really it's really profits from purpose. We make no mistake. We've been very, very profitable. And and if we don't make money, then we won't be here. No profits, um, no mission. I'm sorry, no margin, no mission. Right. Uh, and so we are very much a social uh, social enterprise that we intend to be profitable, but we make our profits from the purpose. Uh, we don't exist to make money. We exist to make a difference, uh, but we have to make money to, to stay in business. And so we're pretty proud to be a certified benefit corporation and a and a, a legal benefit corporation as designated by the state of Arkansas. Before the social pandemic and before the racial unrest of 2020, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, has always been a part of Southern Bancorp's mission. Yeah, you're right. Because Southern was founded to advance racial equity, the company is serious and intentional, and they make sure they look inward to even find ways that they can improve DEI for shareholders, the community, their customers, and even their employees. We really have this aspirational goal of being the leading financial institution in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion in the country over the next seven years, and we're putting together a plan right now um, to, to really actualize that. But on a practical basis, we're actually the same strategies that we have for our customers. We actually have for our employees. So some things that, that we do at Southern uh, day one, when you become a, an employee at Southern, you are automat- automatically enrolled in our 401k program. There's no waiting period. And we automatically um, 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 we automatically set your contribution at the max level of our match funding, uh, which is 6%. Now, you can ratchet it, ratchet it down, but we know that if you make saving easy, uh, then people are more likely to do it. And when we when we when we put you at that six percent level, most folks never take uh, most folks never uh, lower that level. And and then we match that dollar for dollar, and it's yours day one. There's no waiting period. We also uh, thank thanks to our board. Uh, we have created a 1% home ownership plan. So employees of Southern, after being here two years, can buy a home at 1% interest rate. You know, so most you get you get a you get a discount on most at most places you work, right? You work at you work at McDonald's, you get a discount on 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 a Big Mac. Uh, if you work at a bank, you get a discount on money. We sell money. Uh, and so if you want, you know, we know that home ownership is a foundation of building wealth. So we want our employees to be homeowners. We have we we continue to push toward paying a living uh, a living wage, and that ratchets up every uh, every couple of years to really get to what we define as a living wage in the regions that we that we work. Uh, and then we have programs like an emergency opportunity loan, so our employees don't access payday lenders. So, for example, we work in the state of Mississippi. In the state of Mississippi, there are more storefront payday lenders than our McDonald's, Burger King, and Starbucks combined. Uh, so there are more places where you go and access this high cost predatory, uh, you know, cheap, I mean, expensive capital. Um, and so we created an internal program where you can access uh, up to a thousand dollars really within a matter of 30 seconds uh, on a mobile device or on your computer through your through your online banking. And we allow you uh, a year to pay it back as opposed to two weeks that you have to pay back a, pay, uh, a paycheck protection loan. So I mean, sorry, payday, a payday loan. So we. Um, we try to uh, treat our employees like we try to treat our customers and have those same wealth building strategies. So we we focus on a number of things that we think not only advance racial equity, um, uh, diversity and inclusion, but it also really helps to empower people and, and improve their financial health. We mentioned all the numerous injustices against Black people over centuries. So why do you think the murder of George Floyd influenced so many businesses to speak out against systemic racism and start proactively investing in Black people and Black communities? Yeah, that's a great question. I've asked myself that several times um, that um, the murder of George Floyd, watching someone um, kneel 
on someone's neck and take actually take the life from them uh, on video. Um, maybe it was just seeing that, um, you know, things like that have happened time and time again throughout history without it being recorded. And I'm just not sure why that moved this country, um, uh, particularly why it moved white people uh, like it did. Um, I, 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 I don't know the answer. I am glad that it that it did. And I'm hope I'm hopeful that this race uh, reconciliation. Well, I don't want to call it, it's not reconciliation. That's not true. Let me not say that. Let me say this, this ad advancing racial equity and having a much more attention placed on um, the plight of black and brown people. Let me hope that it's just not a moment and it truly is a movement uh, because it has to be sustained for us to actually have true success and actually achieve some level of equality. Uh, if it, it, it can't, it has to be sustained. You can't commit the injustice that have been committed against us and, and, and Native Americans, let's go back there, right? For as long uh, as, as it has been uh, and expect that to be solved overnight. So while I say that, let me also say I applaud um, uh, business. I applaud philanthropy. I applaud the government, what it's trying to do right now. Um, we can dwell in the past or we can try to move forward. I'm in the camp, but let's try to move forward. Let's capture this, this uh, moment and let's, let's transform it into a movement. And so I'm just excited about what I see happening, the conversations that I see happening. And I said this um, several times and I said, it, it was actually printed by my good friend, uh, the editor of Arkansas business. Um, that good or bad, the business case for diversity, equity, inclusion is going to be much more powerful than the moral case. Uh, and and in my mind, whatever the case is, let's 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 mo let's go from this moment to a movement. And I think that um, this country, we recognize that the current path that we're on is just not sustainable for this country and this economy. And so, I applaud. For example, the business roundtable led by Doug McMillan, CEO of, of, of Walmart. Um, and I, I encourage um, you all and your listeners to go to the business roundtable's website, just advance, just Google Advance and Racial Equity and Business Roundtable and look at the uh, program and the commitments that some of the largest businesses in America have are putting around advancing racial equity. And I'm proud to have partnered with folks like Bank of America and other corporations as a as Southern Bankrupt has really to uh, try to advance racial equity. And so I don't know to answer your question why that was so powerful. But I, what I say is let's let's transform it from a moment to really a movement. And let's see if we can't really do uh, better and be better. Yes. Um, I gonna say one last thing. Uh, and also people not to get negative, but people have doubled down after that too. Like it's, yep. we've seen legislation about, you know, the 1619 project. We've seen people trying to make equity a bad word. Yep. And so you can tell people are trying to fight it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Power can seize nothing without demand, right? Uh, and, and so um, there are a number of people that uh, benefit tremendously from the current system that we have in place, and they're going to do everything they can to, to maintain that position. But I truly believe that justice wins, fairness wins. And so we just cannot give up. We cannot uh, give in. We've got to keep pushing this and, and again, transform it from a moment to a movement and not be distracted by those who would try to distract us and and, and persuade us that this is not the right path we're on. Um, we, we've got too much um, at stake here to, to turn back now. I'm, I'm pretty excited about the path we are. And I choose to focus on those who want to partner and do good as opposed to those who are trying to deny and distract. Okay, so we're about to go into our call and response. 
Um, we're going to ask you some questions about being black and Southern. And you just tell us what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. Okay. So what do you wish people knew or understood about the South? Uh, that we are not uneducated and barefoot, uh, that we are, we are uh, a diverse, intelligent, friendly uh, people. And it's uh, just a, a really a, a wonderful place to live and raise a family. What do you love most about living in the South? Just how friendly uh, we are. I spent a lot of time in New York and D.C. and on the West, West Coast. Uh, and people look at me strange because I, you know, I speak to everybody and, uh, you know, I'm saying hi and folks look at you strangely. Uh, I just enjoy the relationships that we have here. I enjoy that people, you don't meet strangers uh, and that we are a, uh, a friendly people. Uh, and, and that's really across races, but particularly among um, people of color. I, you know, in, in New York, I speak to I speak to people who look like me. They look at me like I'm crazy sometimes. <laughs> I know. Like you, you have to nod and figure out where your, who your people are yeah, right good. right um, <laughs> if you could change one thing about the south what would it be wow just one thing um it, it it's hard to limit it to just one thing in many ways clearly we um uh, are behind i think the foundation root of that may be education um um uh, education is liberation right and and so we've got to do much better job of educating our people um and and becoming lifelong learners i think it's really rooted in education uh fill in the blank i would love to sip sweet tea on the front porch with wow uh my parents both of my parents are deceased um um i i tell people i hit the parent lottery as a two-week-old i was adopted by a wonderful couple um my dad was 55 my mama was 46 and adopted a two-week-old child uh so i tell folks i hit the parent lottery because my parents chose me uh and their parents took what came out uh so i feel special uh and i had the greatest childhood growing up and warren and Catherine williams were really the embodiment of service and God fearing people. And I sell a time if I don't make it, if they don't make it to heaven, I don't need to try uh, because they were just wonderful. So an opportunity to spend time with my parents again would be wonderful. Oh, that's very sweet. So what's your favorite black and or Southern saying? Wow. Um, since we're talking financial, you know, we and, and, and what we have done and how much we do with so little. I love the saying, trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents because uh, I think we've done that. Right. Oh, that's a good one. And what's your favorite soul food dish? And at the risk of losing your black card, what's one soul food dish you could live without? Fried chicken is my favorite. And and what can I live without? You know, I'm just not a fan of chitlins, chitterlings. Uh, I just, I, you know, I'm, if that if that makes me lose my black card, I just have to give it up. <laughs> that's a common one. We may have to say, besides chitlins, <laughs> what's the one food you can live without? <laughs> Okay, so finally, what's something awesome that's happened in your life recently? Wow, I, I lose this early. I'm just, I'm really proud of my children. Um, uh, DJ, uh, my son, Darren Jr., my daughter, Peyton, uh, both now college graduates. Um, and while that was expected uh, of them uh, and our family, I'm, ha I'm happy they uh, persevered and have achieved that level of education success and now on to graduate school for both of them. Uh, so I'm, I'm really proud of them and, you know, uh, one of my um, most rewarding jobs is being a dad. Uh, and so just really proud of my children and, and hope. And then not just because of their educational achievement, because of the people they are and, and, the, and, and, and just want to continue to encourage them to um, think beyond themselves. Uh, and they have a good role model to look up to. So that's all we've got today. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. 
Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts so others can find us. You can also listen to the Black Belt Voices podcast on most streaming platforms, including Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and NPR One. This episode was edited by Katrina Dupins and Prentice Dupins Jr. with music composed by Prentice Dupins Jr. Black Belt Voices is a production of Black Belt Media, LLC. Thanks again to Southern Bank Corps for underwriting our third season. Be sure to follow Black Belt Voices on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Black Belt Voices and visit blackbeltvoices.com. We'll see you in a couple weeks.